In today's episode with Elva Kingo and Lou, we interviewed two incredible Mennonite men, Indio Fran, who is from Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua, not too far from Bronson and I here in Ascension, and Faro Peters, who is from Seminole, Texas. Both are fathers and progressive businessmen who have had incredible breakthroughs and share their stories with us in such a vulnerable and raw way. You guys do not want to miss their stories, their life, and how they have faced the challenges and broken through a mold and culture to get to where they are today. Um, A little history on Mennonites in Mexico. There are actually well over 100,000 Mennonites living in Mexico. Most of them have been established here in the state of Chihuahua, where Bronson and I live. In fact, we're surrounded by many of them here on our farm, and we are friends with many of them. Incredible culture, extremely hardworking, and very involved in the agriculture of Mexico. They um, settled here first established in about the 1920s, so a similar time when the Mormons also came, early 1900s. There are other Mennonite colonies in Durango, Mexico, Guanajuato, and lots of Southern America and Latin America. So in fact, Bronson and I just traveled to Bacalar and there are Mennonites there in Quintana Roo, Mexico as well. So we talk a lot about the Mennonite culture, the impact it had on these two men in many, in different ways for each of them. Um, Indios struggle with his father's drug addiction and growing up as a teenager and young adult during an extremely conflicted and abusive home environment and Fado's ability to become more open-minded, face his own reality and fix problems in his life that he saw were holding him back, making things right with his wife and daughters and coming to terms with who he is and how that's led to incredible success for them in their lives and will continue to do so. These are incredible stories. Please give them a listen. Here we are with Indio Fran and Faro Peters. I hope you enjoy. This is El Vikingo and Lou. Do you think they're ready for this baby? I honestly don't know. We're going to do this podcast. Ready or not, we're coming. We are coming. Let's do this. Let's do it. All right, today I am excited about the podcast we're going to have today. I have two amazing guests uh, that I really enjoy. Uh, One I met for the first time tonight. It's a great story. The other one I've been friends for a while now. Uh, So we're here with Luisa. Hey guys, what's up? We're here with El Indio. And we're here with Faro. Hey. Now this is Faro Peters from Seminole, Texas, correct? Yes, sir. And then we have Indio Cran from Seminole, Texas as well. And I'm from Texas too, so. (laughs) Well, I'm from Mexico. He's not even going to claim Texas. Well, he is from. I moved to Texas as fast as I possibly could. So are you a Texan? Uh, right now I'm a Mac, uh, te- what are they called? Texican. A Tejano. Texican. Tejano, Texican. 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 He's a Texican. Tacuache. Okay. 
And You're so outnumbered. Though. I'm outnumbered three to one, but I don't feel outnumbered because they are from you. Well, Indio is from Cuauhtémoc, yeah. Chihuahua, so I believe he's more Mexican than American. Okay, you can go on to your side. Bado, where have you spent most of your time? Uh, I've been in Texas pretty much my whole life, but my uh, culture comes, big part comes from Cuauhtémoc, from hey. the Mennonite community over there. And this is why I'm so excited because I have a good following here in Chihuahua and from the U.S. that are from the Mennonite culture. Should I say Mennonite culture or Mennonite religion? Oh man, I honestly don't even know myself what it is. I, I think it's a culture. It became a culture, and yeah, I agree. Yes, to sir. pinpoint it down to just a religion would be very hard right now. There's yep. Yeah, because there there are colors by now. That's the thing. There's a lot of different religions now not religions within, but like within the Mennonite yeah yeah, yeah. different churches right Correct. yeah it's, it's almost like if you would call some, like back in the day it would have been like if I would call somebody Catholic right Mennonite mm -hmm. would be the same but now you know you know they don't look at it that way anymore it's become cultured right it's, yeah that's more of a culture yeah. yeah and so like a lot of our friends here in Mexico they're Catholicos and you ask them about it and it's more of a cultural thing they don't yeah, really yeah. go to church. Church, it's like a, it's part of their everyday their community culture yeah. celebrations and that. Festivities. And, then, and then the Mennonite culture. I mean, within the Mennonite religion, there's a lot of different pastors, like the Baptist church, with a lot of different kind of Baptist church, right? Under yeah. one Based umbrella. Based on the yeah, pastor exactly. and what the people are wanting. Yeah. So, have, what does that kind of look like? Well, we have the old colony. That's the like the very old colony, like the people we went and visit the other day in Quintana Roo at that colony where they still ride horse carriage, and just a lot of very limited things that they do, they kind of limit themselves. And then we go up to like, you know, Klein, Klein Day, and then, you know, there's just a lot of them right now, but they just they start modernizing, right? There's even the ones that just, you know, by now are also all modern, like all completely blended in with, with, with America, America right? Yeah, exactly, with America or, or any like society in, in general, like they're just blended in by now. That's would you guys, where would you guys say you would fall, both of you, let's start with you. Uh, I would be the latter, yeah. I mean, I think, well, I mean, it's we're all the same. It doesn't matter where we're, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> kind of blended exactly. in yeah, now. Yeah, also. I mean, by now, it's, to me, it does not matter at all anymore. I don't care where you're from, what you are. I don't care. It's, we're all the same, yeah. Right. And how do you feel about that? Where do you feel like you fall? I think if I'm just in a big city, I'd fit in just with your average American. Um, I still have a lot of Mennonite um heritage you know from growing up and stuff if i still uh have a lot of respect for that that way of life some areas of it other areas of it i think are overdone um, there's too much pressure to live a certain way um, without any backing um, for me but i think it's it's a good culture yeah, me and my family uh, my wife annie and two girls bailey and kylie um, we just try to live life to the way we enjoy it and to where we're at peace with ourselves without pressure to live a certain way by church or heritage, I guess. That's important. That's being, the best being, way to do it. Being at peace with yourself, that is extremely important. And I hope eventually everybody can, can find that ultimate goal. Oh yeah, get to that point. But as for like here in like Chihuahua, if you come to Chihuahua and you're like, okay, let's uh, if we're farming or doing certain business, 
Um, I, at least for, for me and a lot of people here in Asuncion, with the Mexicanos, you're like, there's a lot of respect for the Mennonite culture, a lot of respect for the work ethic, a lot of respect for the, the, the honesty, and just, I've had, uh, well, in my own personal experience, I've had only good business experiences and social experiences so far. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of respect for, for the culture in, in Chihuahua. Because I, I think here in Chihuahua, last time I, I went to the Mennonite Museum in Guatemala, where oh, yeah. India was originally from. And grew up, and, and I think, and and Fado's parents yep. are from Cotemoc as well, the Corredor Comercial, people know it as that as well. And I think, I think the Mennonite community, population-wise, is over one hundred twenty thousand, probably a lot more, because that that yeah. that was probably outdated when I went a few years ago. But what would you say population-wise? It's up there. Like we've got to look that up. Well over one hundred twenty thousand. Oh, yeah. I would think Easy. so. I don't know. In Chihuahua. In Chihuahua. Just in Chihuahua. Yeah. But they're all over. They're Mexico everywhere. That's the and thing. And not just Mexico. They're all all over the world. The world. Yeah, definitely all over North and South America. I believe there's well over a million, a million uh, people from the Mennonite culture. What countries in South America? Are there colonies? Do you guys know? Uh, there's Argentina, Bolivia, okay. Paraguay. There's some in Brazil that started uh, moving into Peru and Colombia. Belize. Oh, yeah. Um, Belize, Belize has a lot of Mennonites, a big community down there. Uh, Panama, there's some working on opening up a colony down there. Wow. So it's, it's expanding pretty rapidly. Anywhere where there's a... The Mennonite uh, culture is really big on farming, so anywhere where there's a farming opportunity... Obviously, uh, Mennonites will follow pretty quickly. Obviously, them having 10 kids and up doesn't help any. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're expanding. They're expanding they, very well. like quick. <laughs> Not all of them, but some of them. Well, you got to populate. Yeah. So. And, and they're farmers, so you need yep. you need tractor drivers and yeah. workers. Like It makes sense for their industry, especially the more the less modernized Mennonites who rely on, they rely on their family a lot and they don't have tv so what else would they do yeah what else are they gonna do <laughs> yeah and yeah. fun fact even louisa didn't grow up a tv in her family as well yeah well, we had electricity yeah electricity <laughs> that's why she has so many siblings exactly <laughs> and we had 10 kids in my family <laughs> they were they were producers as well <laughs> but uh yeah big so agriculture it's it's huge yeah. in agriculture from Canada clear down to the south of South America, the tip of South America, That's and wherever right. there's agricultural land, they're there and they're working their ass off. Like I, I thought it was so funny. We had we have some Mennonite friends and Americans. Like we take the weekend off. Like we take Saturday. Like Friday night is when the weekend starts. The weekends when you get <laughs> off work Friday. Till Monday, Monday morning. morning. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, Saturday's like our, Saturday's the biggest That's a busy day. day yeah. we work. Like we're cleaning and we got to clean the tractors and we got, it's yeah. a big oh, yeah. cleaning day. Oh, is, yeah. What Saturday. is the, oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly what it is. Like where I grew up, the way I grew up, Saturday was all about the woman, they clean the house, they do the, you know, they get ready for the, for the weekend. We had to, you know, wash our trucks. That's just that's just clean the garage, clean the garage, always, always. But like all day, yeah, all like they're cleaning clean all day. Stables, yep. You know, mow the lawn. Yeah, that's a Saturday thing. Yeah, Saturday is not. Huge, yeah. 
not it's cartoons. It's a busy day, Because yep. yeah. I, I call my friends up like on Friday night, my Mennonite friends. Hey, what you doing? They're like. And they're like, well, we got, we have, we're working tomorrow on my, I call them Saturday at noon. Hey, what do you do? Let's go do something. Man, I'm working. It's our busiest day. What are you, what are you doing on Sunday? Sunday's let's, their let's day. Let's have the carne asada on Sunday. Sunday. They always want to do things on oh, Sunday. Yeah. yeah, that's the free day, right? That's their you get own. a little bit of the afternoon mm-hmm. off and you actually get to do something. Yeah, but they work. I mean, and even on Sunday, like they're going to church in the mornings and then they have a few hours in the afternoon, but they work. Oh, yeah. They work hard. Not not so much anymore, but back then it was always, I mean, just about everybody in our community, everybody had cows. So we all had to go back home at 6 o'clock in the evening and milk the cows. Milk the cows. Oh, it was a very good way where, you know, the parents could see if, if this guy's half ass sober or very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just oh. needs to stay home the rest of the night. Yeah. That's a good sober test. Milk the cow. If you can't milk the cow, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories about Guys going home drunk, trying to milk the cows. You speaking from experience here? I feel uh, like you know, we honestly didn't have that many cows. You know, I I don't I never had to go home and milk cows. <laughs> <laughs> I locked out on that deal. <laughs> nice. And so, uh, so currently, we're, we're going to go into their histories here in a sec. Currently, Indio, what? what do you do in Seminole, Texas? Where are you at right now, and what do you do? Uh, currently, business-wise, profession-wise, I, I, I guess you could say I'm an auctioneer. I am an auctioneer, but it's not like my, like that's not my main profession. I own an auction business, right? I, I do more of the business part of the auction. And that's my main business, auction company. And I what's your a, business called? It's called Ironbound Auctions out of Seminole, Texas. So we do a lot of uh, farm and, and heavy equipment and trucks and trailer auctions, oil field equipment, all that. Real estate now, we're getting into real estate. And so we sell a lot, a lot of farm equipment, heavy oil field equipment, trucks, trailers, all over the world, literally with online bidding and all that good stuff. So that's my main thing right now. I'm trying to get into other things, you know, but. That's about, that's my main thing right now, so. And you can check them out on Instagram, social media, Ironbound Auctions. That is correct. Great, great page there on on Instagram, very professional, great reputation. You just had an awesome video that you posted. Was it this week? Oh yeah, that would be Last week? I can't remember, but it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, We got a nice, we got a a Really good system he's he's got going on. Some really good content, yeah. Yeah, it seems like they got great culture over there. So from Coltemo to Seminole and now into auctions and different ventures as well. And Fado is current you're currently in Seminole. What do you do in Seminole, Texas? Yep. In Seminole, Texas, I'm a contractor. Um big focus that we do is metal buildings. Metal buildings is a big thing there in oilfield country. From pouring concrete to bringing the steel out, erecting the steel. Finishing out the offices, the warehouse, maybe overhead crane, something like that, electrical, just any type of commercial industrial building is what we put together. All right, what's the name? Uh, it's First Choice Construction. First Choice. It better be your first choice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Make it your first choice. Always. And so now they're, they're currently, they're currently both in Seminole, Texas, and then I guess we'll, we'll get to where they started. Well, wait, in Seminole, though, is it a Mennonite colony? Uh, the, the, no, but but there are a lot of Mennonites. Okay. A lot of Mennonites, right. But it's not really a... Well, yeah, I don't think you would call it a colony, okay. right? Okay. Um, so, Mennonites moved to Seminole. Um, 
1977 they uh, came from Mexico. They came for a farming opportunity. There's cheap land available there. There's very good farm uh, ground around Seminole. That's why the Mennonites came there. I wouldn't really call it a colony anymore. It maybe was kind of a colony when they first started. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anymore, there's a lot of different. Uh, we have Mennonites from Bolivia there. We have Mennonites from Canada. Mennonites that are been in Texas all that time, born and raised there, a bunch of them. And Mennonites from Chihuahua, from different parts of Mexico. So there's a lot of different Mennonite cultures already mixing together there, right there in Seminole, Texas. Do you guys kind of stick to like? Okay, these are the Mennonites from Mexico, and these are the Mennonites from Canada. Yes, that does kind of happen. Does that happen? You'll especially see that at churches. Okay, I was um, curious. Wow, there's got to be at least 10 to 15 Mennonite churches by now, maybe more. In Seminole. Oh, really? Just in Seminole. Yeah, and each wow. one kind of, um, the core belief is the same, but uh, each one will have a little different thing that they pick on and focus on. More uh, old-fashioned ones are real picky about dress and head coverings and stuff like that, and then you... And worship music has to be a certain way. And then you'll have all the way up to more modern where they'll uh, have drums in church. or Drums in church. Ooh, guitars, risque. Stuff like yeah. that. So, so there, there is definitely all, all flavors of Mennonites and Seminole. Love it. So what percentage of Seminole would you say? More or less, just a rough guesstimate of Mennonites and Seminole. I've never been. I need to go. Like I think it's about fifty. I would say I was I was gonna say fifty. Fifty percent. Fifty percent. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Okay, and Seminole is West Texas. That is correct. Very far west, right? Yeah, it's like by the. Better at it's It's in between Lubbock and uh, Lubbock and Midland Odessa area. So we're in the Permian Basin. Perfect. Um, it's a. Man, we're just in the If the tumbleweed's blowing through town, that's a normal day for us. So. <laughs> it's an exciting day when a tumbleweed's yep. blowing through town. <laughs> so you got flat, flat and desert, or you flat, desert. Yep, desert. So all the farming is successful because of irrigation. Yes. Right. Some parts there are struggling because of uh, water, groundwater is getting low, uh, but they're innovating. Innovation is happening a lot. Um, they're finding better varieties of seed to plant. Shorter, you know, shorter seasons. People are finding better ways of doing it, uh, more irrigating, more economically. And sounds That's like awesome. Chihuahua. Exactly. Yeah. Chihuahua. Innovation is happening. That Which is, is nice. good. Which is good. Oh, that's awesome. And so I guess we'll get into like the the upbringing. The upbringing, like, what is it like, Indio, to be? Like in a Mennonite family, like little boy in a Mennonite family, like what's the daily routine that you had in Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua? Oh man, uh, honestly thinking back, it was awesome. You know, it's, it's, we're out in a farm, right? Most Mennonites are, they have farms, you know, like you said, it's agriculture is big. My dad was never a farmer. My dad was a vet, you know, he's, he's, he, that was his thing. So he was kind of, you know, unique. And I guess you could say like, there was very little of that going on. But we did have some farmland, so I grew up in the farm, and we always had, you know, cattle and horses and all the types of animals that you could imagine, and and all that is, you know, I really loved it. I really loved growing up in that in that uh, in in that environment. Right? It was awesome. You know, it's uh, you know a lot of freedom. You 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 uh, at oh, six yeah. years old, at seven years old, I would get on a horse and ride away at, in the morning, and come back in the evening, and my mom was never worried. Like, Whereas Indio, you know, like that was normal. That was just normal. 
Where would and, you go? Oh, uh, we'd just ride around the fields and go way go back to the rivers and put up traps. Traps, I'd try to catch birds and just, I mean, <laughs> it's just, a, and you know, I was always barefoot, never wear shirts, you know, that was just me growing up. <laughs> Love just it. Just like now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't changed just, a bit. Yeah, just the wild. Just in the Nolan in the wild, yeah. He does have a shirt on right now, though. Guys. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> too disrespectful here <laughs> but yeah um it was awesome you know all that part was really good uh, growing up as a, as a child right so, what's a beautiful spot in chihuahua it's oh, beautiful I love, I love when i go to street. chihuahua or when i go to Cuauhtemo, and i'm from the the mormon culture i'm like why did we settle so far <laughs> north we should have gone around right. yeah. ourselves <laughs> we, we always say green. that i mean a lot of people uh, they they don't even have irrigation. They, they it's dry cropping because there's so there's good uh, rains, cornfields. Uh, you have tons of apple orchards, like thousands of it's just beautiful. You got the beautiful mountains, oh, perfect community. And the community, y'all take care of each other. So if a kid, ha if anyone has an issue, or if a kid's lost. Someone's gonna bring them home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And you guys, it seems like you all take care of each other. And the city's very organized, like very clean. I mean, yeah, beautiful place. Beautiful place. And so I can imagine as you get on your horse and as a little kid and just wander off and go explore. I mean, seems like pretty good freedom for a little. Oh yeah. Boy. No, I loved it. That was awesome. Growing up there as a child was awesome. Did you go to school? I did. Yep. Yeah. I I started off going to a. Uh, it's called a Kleingemeinde school, which is a little bit more. What's that called? Say Klein, it again. Kleingemeinde. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a real type of you know, just like you have all these different churches and beliefs inside of that Mennonite. You know, it wasn't very. It wasn't all colony. It was one step. I guess you could say it was one step modernized from the old colony, but there was still very, very... Okay, so still pretty strict. Oh, super, extremely okay. strict. Okay, because if it's one step up from... Right, yep. So I went to school there, and Did then... you wear, like, the overall? No, I, uh, my brother still did, my, my sisters and my brother still did that, but then my, my dad, out of his family, was the first one to get out of that one, out of that colony. Oh, okay. So he went into this one. And so, so what's this one look like? Uh, you know, women dress dresses. They have head coverings. Uh, guys wear, you know, very strict on dresses. Dress, you know, how they dress. Church, you know, women sit on one side, men sit on the other side. No instruments in the church. Acapella. Uh, Acapella. Yeah, yeah. Just and uh, I very, hear that's very, very, very. I mean, this is a lot of good stuff, but also, you know, some, you know, just now looking back, it's like you know, very, you know, limited and right. all that. <laughs> so what did school so, look like? School was, it was cool. In the beginning, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was good. You know, I had fun in school, uh, which my dad moved me from that school to now even you know, more modern school. He's like, nah, this, this one. And that, that school was good. You know, that one was in Campo 101. And it was, um, you know, we already had like Spanish teachers and we would start learning Spanish. We would start learning all of that. So you learned Spanish uh, uh, in school, in, in school, elementary yeah, yeah. or primaria? Yeah, primaria. Yeah, so yes. the equivalent to elementary school, yep, primaria? Yeah. Yep. And then I, I, I went to school there for, for quite a few years till uh, they kind of kicked me out. So I went. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yeah, they kicked you and out, then, huh? Yeah, and then on my last 
Is it because you're barefoot and shirtless yeah. on a horse at school? Because of good behavior, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exceeded, exceeded expectations. You gotta go. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, then the last two years in Secundari I, I did in Blumenau, which that one is a very, a very good school. It's modern. It's, uh, it's, it's a good school. It's a really good school. It's been recognized in Mexico for many times. It's a private school. Oh, nice. But yeah, back, back, you know, when I was younger, like going to that first school, you know, my, my dad became a, pre- a preacher in that, in that, in that, in that, what's it called, in that religion, in that Kleingemeinde deal. So very, 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 very strict. Yeah, in church, everything. Oh, my God. I, one time I got my ass whipped because I was chewing gum in church. You know, that's how. Oh, really? Oh, chewing yeah. gum? Oh, oh, it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. And then they. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like so that. your dad was a was a pastor. Yep. When how old were you when that happened? Uh, I was probably about man. Don't quote me on this. Six, seven years old. Okay. Eight years old, and then that's when he became a pastor in that church. He from was still vet, a vet. From veterinarian to yeah, which he pastor. still he was still was a veterinarian. Okay. But uh, he became a pastor in that church. So. And uh, do pastors get paid in in Mennonite? No, no, they didn't get no, no, no. It's all service. No, no, they didn't. It's all service. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. So it's all, like the Mormon church. Yeah, same. As well. So it's just so, your time. Yeah. Giving... So obviously we all have to always dress in uh, you know, certain ways and just very, 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 very strict. Yeah. So did your life at home was it? Did it get more strict when that happened? Transition yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. Because now we have to protect an image, right? That's, right. I yes. Mean, there's a lot of good things that, in that what happened, but a lot, of, also a lot, of, you know, just so many rules and. Oh, oh, I don't know. This is bad, right? But now we have to protect an image. You know, we're 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 pastor the example. Kids. We're pastor kids. We have to by example. And I remember my dad in those years. He was, I I just honestly don't remember him ever being like super joyful or anything because it was all rules and meetings and and oh, you know, these people. My dad always. I know he he wanted to you know get some. A little bit more uplifting music into the church or something, and then oh no, in the Bible that says this and that, and it was always just a bunch of. Like he was always surrounded by kind of argumentative. Yeah, conversation. Very, and also like, you know, this is just a lot of it was. It's, it's just what it is, but it is what it is, right? There's just a lot of negativity like there's oh you know did you see what she was wearing today and then, then, like, judgment that, judgment and if like I mean. Somebody would have come there drunk, like they would have, oh man, what does this fucking drunk one here, you know? Like it was oh, just, God. I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, and then evening churches, like, when they had like the evening churches, oh my God, I, I dreaded those so bad. <laughs> like they would, At they each time. was like, man, if you were not going to come to the front today and repent your sins, you're going to burn in hell, you know? And I would like, oh goodness, I hated going there because so much the fear. day before I had maybe lied to my mom a little bit, you know? <laughs> and I would be like guilty. I, oh, guilt. Guilt. Did, guilt. Did you have to have like, like was it a public repentance in, in front? Like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. In you front of the congregation. Yeah, yeah, you always go to the front and you, you tell them, like, I'm going to live a better life. Oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it, most people that went up front, it may, may last the week or so, and then they were back to their. <laughs> they, they were so scared that evening, like, I'm going to go to the front. <laughs> 
My consciences. Oh, I get that, man. Yeah. I get that growing up in, in Mormonism. Like on Sundays, you, you have the lessons and everything. Like, okay, and then you take the sacrament and you're supposed to kind of repent. And you're like, okay, what did I do last week? What did I do? Did I say a white lie? Did I, was I mean to somebody? My brother, my sister? And then, and then you're like, okay, please just, forgive me. Let's see yeah. if I can make it to next Sunday. Right. <laughs> And so it, it was good to like check in with like, hey, how I'm doing, but also like made me very anxious. Right? Sundays oh. were a very guilt-ridden oh. day for me too as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like you just leave, you leave church and you're just like, I'm a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just done. Right? Yeah. There's no hope for me. No yeah. hope. Yeah. And that's just as a little kid mind. Like right. then you become an adult and it's even worse. But yeah. So so pastor's son. Yep. So, but that's some pressure right there for a while. And then when I was, when I turned like 12 or 13 years old and my, I I still to the day haven't figured it out. I don't know what happened, but my father took some weird turn, like something changed in his life. And I don't know what it was. And I think to the day, I still believe it was a religious overdose, you know, something, I don't know what happened. Hmm. I mean, he just uh, started consuming just about any drug you can imagine, any, you know, alcohol, it was just, it got psyched, I mean, it just got really bad, and then he... While he was pastor, or uh, preacher. Uh, right? The last two months, and then he, really? he, he, he went out, and then, and obviously we were condemned now by, by the, all of them, you know. <laughs> wow. That's what I was going to ask, when yeah. you were saying that, I was like, did the community come to you in love, or there was, was it There like... was always an exception. Because yeah. all of this that I'm saying, it's always, there's always an exception. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's always a few good, good, good-hearted people. Oh, right. Right? And We've experienced tried, the same thing. They tried to help us, and, and, and there was a lot of good that, that I, a lot of very good things that I, that I, that happened. And, but in general, you know, just people would just, uh, and anyway, you know, that was the years, you know, my teenage years, and, and I kind of got, you know, I, I started becoming a cholo, you know, with the earrings, you know, I was, I was a cool kid, my guys that I hang out with, you know, put a rap, put a chingon. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah. But at That's the same tough guys. Guys, right? But oh, at the same time, gosh. like I would experience things at home that, that I know very few people have ever had to go through. And I'm not saying that my life was... Uh, was you know harder than anybody else's i don't think there's a way to measure that but it was it was terrible like honestly it was i've seen a lot of drunk and alcoholics and i don't know what happened to him but it was just terrible like i mean it was bad you know and uh my, i mean he would oh it was just i mean we've got him out of jail so many times we have had him where it got so worse i remember that first time when it all happened like one time one time uh I just remember one time, one evening, when, when he came home, he was yelling Like, I mean, it was just, he was like, his eyes would light up. He's like, man, the fucking devil doesn't even have anything on me. Like, it was bad, you know, it was like bad, bad vibes, man. And he locked himself up with my brother in, in the garage, and he started beating the shit out of him. I mean, just bad. I was 12, 13 years old, and I was taught to pray, right? Right. I looked through that window and I have never prayed harder in my life, man. Like it was just, I thought literally that's the last time I'm going to see my brother alive, you know. He, he took a jar of gasoline and he was just starting to pour it all over his truck. He's like, no. yeah. I was like, I, and then the next thing you know, a couple of minutes later, we were all laying in the freaking living room and my dad 
made us pray, right? He's like, man, you know. And then he guilt ride the shit out of us. Like, After he had just done that? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, that's where, like, it was it was messy, right? And I never, I don't, and now I got emotional. Think about it, I don't, I, I mean, I, he was a great man, but that shit, something that whatever shit, happened to whatever him, yeah, something happened. that was terrible, right? He was so confused, and, and I wish, you know, we had better, you know, help back then. You know, it was, his help was going to a preacher, and the preacher tried to, you know, guilt ride him. It was just a but downward. The not it was a pattern. It was a know? pattern that we he was in, and he didn't know how to get out. Right. So we took him. That was like I think that one was the first time we took him to a rehab center. One of seven times. Wow. Seven times. Yeah. And this was from the age of twelve until you yeah, left home. Yeah, until I was like twenty plus years old. Which are like on and off, crucial on years. And off. He came out. He was good for a while, and and. Uh, and man, and then right away when he came out, he wanted to help everybody, you know, and he was such a, he was a beautiful oh, yeah. soul. He wanted to help everybody. And then, but somehow he needed help himself the most, right? Right. right. But his ego and, he found and pride it. and it just, uh, I don't know. I still, they haven't figured it out, man. I, I still, I, I still don't have, I still haven't figured it out exactly what happened, but. And then religion but that's, like that's, intertwined, like you were saying, he would do these awful things. And then the next second he'd be like. We need to pray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're getting this really yeah. confusing. Yeah, very confusing. Very, very confusing. Like, like just yeah. like like uh, it's all intertwined, and then it doesn't make sense. Like super conflicted. Yeah. yeah. Super conflicted. Yeah. As a twelve year old, I can't imagine seeing that contrast, and then like yeah. not getting it, not making sense of how that. And, and I was just so helpless back then; I couldn't do much. You know, as I started growing older, 15, 16, 17, 18, man, I, and I, I, I honestly haven't told this some. Um, ever like to probably i know probably Paul probably hasn't heard this ever like my closest friends know about this well i figured i'd get vulnerable today just to where people knew you know what what it's like and obviously this is not every mennonite tradition but no this this but is what, not. I, what, I, what i'm saying is this is just what i lived right and if if, if somebody can you know relate. relate to that you know that's awesome but anyway um uh, what was it? oh yeah until i grew like 17 or whatever like i would start defending myself like i or, or like if he would do something, try to do something to my mother. And then that's a whole different, that's a whole different topic. How women in that community are, you know, it's just, you, you know, and, and I know everybody will, just about everybody will agree. Like you are submissive to your man. It does not matter what he puts you through. You will always, always. And my mother always did that. She was always forgive him and always, you know, it's just, you know, it's just my, it's my duty as a wife, right? Wow. She was, uh, she's gone through, I don't know a woman that strong. Like, I mean, she's the strongest woman I know. She's gone through so much, man. And it's just, and she always kept with him and she always tried helping him. And, and sometimes it was, you know, even to the point where she's like, okay, let's go get you a little bit of drugs, but I want you to stay home and please don't make him mad. Really? Know? Yeah. It was just, you know, oh. it's all sorts of bad, you know? Oh my and so that, this is why, I mean, I think this is why it's important to, to speak about it and to let other people in those situations uh, start opening up about it to help people right. in that same situation. Because if, it, if it's happened to some people, one person has happened to others. And so yeah, there may exactly. be one or five or 10 or 20 or 100 people in the same situation and they can, they can relate to that and get the proper help in those situations is what it yeah. sounds like in that situation no one really knew 
what to do and or if they needed professional help or exactly. you know they no one will when no people resources. when everyone starts talking about what's going on then there's a lot of help and we're like yes. oh man yes i've had some of these feelings or i've had some of those experiences and 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 so like my purpose with like podcasts and different things that i do on social media is just like show just express myself and show what we're going through internally because a lot of times like for me growing up or even now i go by a midnight community and i think it's perfect right this right. is that's the this image. is right this yeah. is a perfect world right everything's and, in its place everything's where it should be it's very clean they're yes. dressed a certain way it's yes. very yes. rule-based and specific very. so to hear your story what's happening not but just your story. Right. What's and it's not, that? it's not everybody's story. No, I'm not saying, at all. I'm saying there, there's, there's like this large percentage of just beautiful things in, in the Mennonite community, also in the Mormon community, or Every a day. lot of these other communities, Life. agriculture communities that uh, talk to me through social media. But these are the stories that I want to, we start opening up talking to. So if somebody's struggling, yes. reach out to Indio. Please, please. Reach yes. out to Fado. Reach out yep. to Vikingo. Reach out to Lou. You know, don't keep that in. And, and, and we're yeah, here get to help. help. Yes. Yeah, get I, help. That's, that's yes. why I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to tell my story. But I, I don't, I never wanted to feel like my life was worse than anybody else's because it was my life was beautiful man all these things i truly believe and i and a quote that is my favorite quote in, of all time and it's by tony Let's robbins it is called um life happens for us and not to us right right life happens oh, for us not to us if you oh, like that, that like man it's just so powerful and i believe all those things that happened to me it's made me what, what i am uh, and there's still a long ways that i want to go but but it's just, it's been beautiful. Like, I honestly, even like, it's, instead of feeling any sort of that that defined, like, it's just, I'm, I literally think like that happened for a reason, right? Like it made me, I, made I, I, I feel I love more deeper. I, I, I feel more, I, it's just, but you have to make that decision, you know, is this gonna define me? Is this, you know, am I gonna do the same? Because I knew back then, this is not, you know, what I want, this is not what I want to see, you know, this is not what I want, this is not what my life is, I don't want this, you know, for my kids, I suffered so bad back then, I just did not want to ever have my kids go through something like that, right, so, but yeah, if, you know, if anybody, you know, has any sort of this, you know, please, please reach out to people, you know, there is people that really want to help, and there is people that, that are capable of helping, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, that that it's just it's some, some it's, a, it's a tricky subject. People don't want to get into emotion, especially as oh, men, really? and especially in the Mennonite man. Oh, and, and yeah. I'm sure it's Mennonite to show weakness or oh, Mennonite no. to cry. I mean, yeah. Oh hell, you you're not supposed to talk about your feelings. Yeah, or you, you, you bury them, you hide them. You oh, just exactly. Really? There. Oh, yeah. Or you go drink. Or, or you something. drink real heavy. You drink it away. Um, yeah. I was an expert at drinking for many years. Uh, I was very blessed to be able to quit drinking and give up that part of my life about three years ago. Um, I was always the, you always hear about, well, I got in with bad friends and I got in a bad way. I always consider myself, I was that bad friend. Um, I wasn't, <laughs> other people around me didn't get me in trouble. I got them in trouble. You um, were that one. I was that guy. <laughs> um, 
definitely deal deal with your emotions. Um, don't try to bury them and hide them. You know that that's one of the biggest tools that Satan uses is to make you think that you're all alone. You're the only one in this world dealing with this particular problem. If anybody finds out, you know they're gonna think less of you. They're gonna you know condemn you and hurt you and you know that's his tool and i found the exact opposite when i came out with all my problems i found a, a lot of people around me were supporting me they said man we, we want to see you do better we want to see you grow we want to see you be able to uh come out of this successfully you know it just blew my mind how much support there was i thought man if people find out that i'm just drunk um, here in the shadows, trying to, you know, nobody's supposed to know about it. Um, and when I came out with the, that and among with a lot of other problems, you know, it just blew my mind how much help there is, even in the community and my own family. And I thought, wow, they're just going to kick me to the curb right there and then, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm, man, here's all these people that were there the whole time that loved me and want to take care of me and want to see me do good, you know, so... Start sharing, yeah. Start and and how hard up. was that for you? How hard was because you you have this you have all this stuff built up inside, and you have all these feelings, and you maybe have something you may be hiding or whatever it is. How hard is it to be like, you know what, guys, I'm gonna take this step, and this is me. Yep. And like, or like, how hard is that? Like the fear of rejection and and all that to show, take off the mask, and just show your true self. How hard was that for you? Man, that was really hard. Um, I remember always thinking I had stuff with me that I was going to take to the grave no matter what, you know. Mm. Uh, weakness for pornography, for instance. I was like, man, that, that's so much shame in that. Um, I can't that's tell anybody one. about that. I'm going to take that to my grave. Nobody talks about it. As embarrassed, embarrassed as I was. And, We've had and, so many conversations about this. Man, yeah. I wanted to get free from that all the time, and then it would it would... It'd be a weakness and not fall into that trap again. Affected my marriage in a terribly negative way. I thought that was reality. Um, right. Right. And I looked to my wife like, man, if my wife would just do this or if my wife would do that, I'd be happy. And, you know, I was destroying my marriage because I expected her to do things that just weren't her, you know, just because uh, I wanted her to make me happy, right? I realized that was just impossible. After I finally came to my senses, after I let all my baggage go, right, um, all my addictions that I was facing, when I finally came to the realization that these things were a problem in my life, and I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this go. I have to let this go. All these things are destroying me. Um, that's when I realized that the only, one, only person that's responsible for my happiness is myself. Uh, my wife can't make me happy. My family can't make me happy. If I'm just generally not happy where I am here, sitting here today, there's nobody else that can do that for me. It's up me. to you. That I finally is... came to that realization yeah. about three years ago. And That's powerful. So I, I was a saved Christian for many years before that, but I wasn't living in freedom. Ooh, I was living in bondage good. where Satan had all these holes on me. Oh, I was guilty of this, guilty of that. And wow, that was, that's about three years ago is where I came to the reality that, hey, this is not my, uh, I'm not designed to carry this baggage. I just let it all go. Was, was there and a specific moment where that change occurred or was it gradual? What is that? That you? was a specific moment where the big change occurred. Uh, there was a lot of things that led up to that. 
So me and my dad would always drink together from when I was maybe 15 years old. Me and him would always work together. We started drinking beer together. He was at, at that 15? point. At 15. He was already really? an expert at drinking. That's not and even of, legal. And of course, <laughs> I'd be drinking, you know, along with him and the oh. work crew after work. And wow. Well, he worked hard. He can handle a beer. But of course, it didn't stay out of beer, you know. At right. Four, right. five, six. And then um, to just say it very simply, my dad was a drunk. He would have to drink most days. I remember him, uh, we'd come home from church and he would reach in the back seat and grab a beer on the way home from church before lunch already. Wow. So uh, he, he drank heavy, that was a big weakness of his. And then I would drink with him, right? I carried, when, when I was 15 and older, I, you know, I started living that life. That was my lifestyle. Like if my wife said, hey, let's go over there, let's go visit those people. The first thing in my head would be, well, I don't know if they'll be drinking over there. I don't think I want to go there after that. That was a make or break. It's so yeah, that enough. was already controlling my life uh, drastically. And then along with all my other problems that I carried in, um, pornography and stuff like that that I mentioned. Uh, a little bit of drug use problems there for a while. I thought that was cool. That was just miserable. <laughs> well, don't ever, don't mess with that. What years was that? Teenage, like, yeah, early? over teenage years, 19, 20. Okay. Um, I thought, well, if you're going to be a man and be cool, well, um, there's in Seminole, there was a period of time where it was cool to, to sniff cocaine, and somehow we fell into that trap, uh, me and a group of friends, for a while. But luckily, there came a time where, uh, when my dad was about 58, all of a sudden, we, you know, this is only three years ago, I'm 37 now, so this is a long period of time. This lifestyle existed for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, well, that, um, well, that's one thing with Mennonite culture. When you say you're 37 in like a, a normal U.S. culture, like, yeah, you're finally getting going, you know, at 37. But in Mennonite culture, you've been working full time since you're, since you're 12, 13, yes. 14, yeah. 15. And so 37, yeah. you've been in the work environment in the man's world for a long time. Yes, a long in time. the man's that's world. Right. That's a good way to yeah. put it. From a young age, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, so you're 15, introduced you were... to manhood, like the full-time hours, hard work, the drinking. You're introduced to the conversations very young. That's right. It's not comparable to like, oh, it's I'm 25. I just graduated college. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's you. You have a 10-year head start on manhood. In the midnight culture, I, yeah. that's, that's true. That yeah, is, you start that's very a good, young. You good start very young. Most of them, nowadays it changed a little bit. It's it, it's not that young anymore in most cases. Uh, and some of it, some of it still some is. Some it is, yeah. yeah. But some of them are now already also going to college, right. or, and I have yeah. a lot of friends that do that. But yeah, but you're definitely right. And so, like you're going through this thing, nineteen twenties. Uh, you're in seven. Got married. Or, got married about twenty one. Um, Man got trapped in this lifestyle, you know. I thought if I would work hard and be successful, I thought that would fulfill me, right? Um, living my lifestyle, drinking on the weekends, drinking, you know, several days a week after work. Um, a big reality hit me one day. My wife tells me, I already had two lovely daughters at this time. And one day she tells me, yeah, your life, and it was, it was the truth. I wasn't mad or anything when she told me, I was just, kind of sad because I knew it was the truth. She said, in your life, 
the first thing is your work, and then it's your friends and your hobbies, and then if there's anything left, then then there's yet time for your family. Ooh. Oh, she told, she, she told me straight Good up. Good job, Whitey. Yep. Yes. Yep, Annie, thank you for doing that. Good job, that, Annie. That was definitely hit me hard, you know. An awakening. And, but after that, you know, I wanted to change my life. I always wanted to do it on my own power, all by myself here, just change my life, right? And without help, because that'd be a shame, right, to now need help. Oh, yeah. Man, Ego. what a shame that would be. Ego was in the way, oh, yeah. a little embarrassment. <laughs> That's how I felt at the time. I realized how off I was. But then, um, me and my dad have been drinking together all these years. I, I was starting to get reasonably successful in business, but man, that still just wasn't fulfilling at all. I'd drink more and more, you know, I'd have times where I'd twist off of work at lunch already and go drink with some of my buddies that were experiencing the same thing I was experienced, right? So right. When, when you're in a lifestyle, you start attracting the same kind of people. It's exactly oh, that's so happening. true. That's so true. Um, so anyway, and I could see how my dad was destroying himself with the drinking a whole lot. I could clearly see it from him, but I, you know, coming back to myself, I'm like, no, I got it under control. So all of a sudden he goes to, uh, in West Texas, it's here in Chihuahua, it's in Canada. There's kind of a movement that's happened among the Mennonites, which is a men's encounter. Oh, I've heard about it. And he went to one of those events and I was like, man, I'd never go to one of those. That's just what I was thinking. What is it? At the time. Can you describe it? Um, it's a spiritual thing. It's where men actually go and you just, for, for two and a half days, you just talk about the topics that, and it's kind of particular to Mennonites, a lot of topics that we never discuss and that oh, we struggle with. That's good. That's awesome. Um, fathers and children is a big topic, like how we were raised. Uh, purity is a big one. Uh, financial freedom. Just, there's a lot of, there's 14 different topics that are discussed. There's a lot of testimonies and teachings. So my dad goes to one of these events and he changes his life. He comes back. I'm used to my dad being drunk everywhere he goes, you know. And I, I say that, it sounds like he was always drunk, but he was just drunk so much percentage of the time, 20, 30% already feels like all the time, right? Right. So, but anyway, all of a sudden he's sober. He's not drinking anymore. And I'm like, what? So I'm still drinking at this point. Now I'm feeling more guilty than ever. That now, you know, I, I can't look at him and be like, he's destroying himself. Well, did your relationships shift when you didn't have your drinking moments with your dad? Because you said you guys... Right, all of a sudden we couldn't hang out anymore. Right? Because I'm still drinking and he's not. So now we don't even uh, fit together as well anymore. Yeah, the drinking seemed to be like a kind of a bond. Yeah, that was kind of our connection, right? Yeah. We'd, we'd work together somewhat, but then also uh, drink together every weekend. So you had to kind of and recreate a... Now we had to recreate our relationship. And it was kind of awkward, actually. I bet. And I was like, man, I don't know what, what, what happened to him. All, you know, he's professing Christ out there when I'm used to him not doing anything like, <laughs> like that. You know, I don't know if I'd ever heard him pray before that. I don't think so. I, I maybe just don't remember, but. Wow. And then all shit. of a sudden, here we come. And then he, three months, no, maybe four or five months later, he invites me to an event like that. I'm like, oh boy, so I, I was more scared at that point of what I was dealing with because I didn't want to go, I was scared to go to face my own reality. 
But luckily, um, just the way he approached me in a non-judgmental, just say, hey, man, I'd just appreciate if you'd go with me. And non-condemning way, man, I, my dad is an expert at showing love somehow, even with all the tough times that he's went through. And anyway, when I went there, I just seen so many other men that struggled with the same things that I was struggling with and that overcame them, that were able to leave all these issues in the past. That's and I'm like, man, if, those, if these guys can do it, I want that too, you know. And anyway, I was able to leave a lot of, a lot of issues right then and there at that event, you know. Uh, at the event, it's called, you know, you take it to the cross, put it in God's hands. That's awesome. And say, God, this, I got something here. I don't know how to deal with this. I can't deal with this on my own power. You know, here you go. Help me let through it, let this. Let it go. You know? and how did it feel to, like, vocalize it and say it? And... Man, it was very hard. I guess my pride was uh, front and center in the way. Yeah. Um, thinking, oh, man, I'm somebody. I got to prove that I'm somebody in this world, you know. Right. And to, and to come out and be like, man, I'm just... I'm a mess, you know, oh, that, man, that really And we hurt. all are. I don't think I yeah. cried that much, uh, <laughs> even as a kid, I don't think, letting all of that pain and all of that guilt and shame out, but that's, that's awesome. But and when that finally all came out, and I was able to let that, that go, that you know. That breakthrough. It's a breakthrough, yeah. Yes. Yeah, a huge breakthrough. You yeah. realize what you really need in life, yes. right? Yes, yes. How did it feel after, after that breakthrough, how did you feel? Man, I didn't know how, how my life would go. You know, all my friends knew me um, a certain way, and my wife knew me a certain way, my kids. Who's this and, new guy? <laughs> you know, I, I came home, you know, after one weekend, and I, I never drank anymore after that. You know, I actually enjoyed being at home. Earlier, I'd come home to dinner, and, well, I got to go see so-and-so about whatever business I would make, you know, come up with, because, you know, and the... the Truth was, I just wanted to go there to drink some beer with them that evening. Mm. Right. Yeah. I wasn't at peace in my own house just because of who I was, right? Um, I needed to be around people with the same kind of chaos as me, right? Um, like you said sad. earlier, you, you attract... You, you attract like-minded people, What you're right? giving yeah, out, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I just wasn't at peace in my own house with my own wife and kids just because of the way I was living. And then when I finally had that breakthrough moment and just realized who I really was and how I was living and was able to leave all of that behind. Of course, I still got a lot of problems, a lot of failures that you deal with. Man, I wish I would have done better there and there. To this day, I still have a lot of that, but I like to think that now I'm more open-minded to face, to face reality. To, uh, you know, this is, this is, once you recognize a problem, you can deal with it. If you're in denial of what your problem is, like I always was, I never thought my drinking was a problem. Once I realized that, hey, this is an issue, now you can deal with the issue. You know, you can't right. fix a problem that you don't know you have, so. Right, and you're constantly justifying it, like, ah, it's not really a problem, like, look at all these guys, it's, it's yep. not a problem, they're yeah. totally functional, the business is fine, their marriage is fine, like, they can That's do, right. do all these things, and they're just fine. But no one's talking about how you feel. That's right. So. The feeling part. What's going on in here? Because you know you're in you, your mind. You know, feeling wise, you know there's something there. You know there's an issue. But yeah, it's you're, that pride. You're, you're trying to bury all of that with something, right? If if you got an issue and you're not at peace with yourself, you're always trying to cover that up with something, either with money or alcohol or drugs, whatever it may be. You're trying to cover that up with something, and that's exactly how I was living. I was covering up all my pain and my guilt with alcohol. 
and thinking that that would make it better. And I'm glad I realized that that's not the case. Cause well, and I'm glad a, you came back with, like, action. Because some people go to these, what's it called? Men's, uh, men's encounter. Men's encounter, yep. and you feel great, and in the moment, and you have this yeah. breakthrough moment, and then what happens? You come back. You come you back. Know, same friends. Yeah. Yep. A month later, you yeah. know, you you hold strong for a while. Yeah. Yep. And then really you start happens. getting right back in the. Did you find yourself doing that, and then you had to correct yourself? Well, how did that? I work? got very lucky um, because my lifestyle was so entwined with. Uh, was drinking so when I quit drinking I didn't enjoy being spending a lot of time with, with my old buddies anymore you know I just didn't fit in right so that the fact that I didn't fit in there anymore um, was a good thing um, I still a lot of those guys are still my good friends I still see them I still do business with them I still eat lunch with them I just won't go there you know in the evening when I know everybody's drinking and they're going to be drinking into the night you know I just don't do that anymore but that's the thing. You have um, to change your act. Like, you, you have, have to, to change, change your, your lifestyle, right? For me, it was a lifestyle change. Yeah. And you yeah. have to immerse yourself in the new, like, it's just not like, oh, now I'm like, you have to. You have to focus. You got to keep the path. Oh, yeah. You got to yeah. yeah. put that. one foot in front of the other every morning. Still. And it, and it gets right. easier and easier as you go um, because it takes a while to break a habit for sure. Um, I had to change apps on my phones, like get rid of some, block, I've blocked myself out of some stuff, you know, like, oh, do I really want to, you know, talking about porn, you know, like, you got settings on your phone where you can block stuff, and now, oh, you got to put in a password to actually go further, oh, wait a minute, you know, it's just kind of, you check yourself, right? Make Double, it harder, make it harder checking. for yourself. Make it harder to, to go to that, and, yeah. and that's when my mind shifted, and I realized, you know, a lot of that, what I thought was a good thing, you realize that you're just, you're looking for some type of excitement, but once you realize that it, you cannot fulfill that excitement with porn or with drinking or whatever, we're not designed that way. It's all band-aid work, yeah. That's right. Once, once you realize... I like that analogy. Once you realize that you need to change that, then uh, there is, all of a sudden, there is a way. There is. That's there is. And then you get with other people that have the same struggles. You know, you hear their testimonies, their stories, and all of a sudden you're like, man, if he can do it, I can do this too. And you get support, you get help, and all of a sudden, man, you, you can just live in a freedom that you never knew existed. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You can enjoy life. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, you're free. That's yeah. right. You're, you're free from all your baggage, your bondage that you're just carrying with you, dragging with you, thinking this is mine. Just let it go. Um, your past, for one. Uh, Don't live in the past. No. Um, a, make things right. If you got people in your family that you hurt, man, just come out. Make things right. You know, people want that. People need that. For a dad, you know, for a father like me. To go to my kids and ask them for forgiveness. Hey, this is how, you know, I was never around. When I was around, I wasn't mentally here. To ask them for forgiveness and then to now make a decision to do better. Man, um, you'd be surprised how much freedom comes from that. So you and really, you asked your daughters and your wife for forgiveness. That's right. When you came back. Yeah. That's... For living the life, the miserable life, and dragging them into this miserable life that I was in. That's, oh, that's, that's awesome. really powerful and beautiful. And a lot, and I see this in a lot of men, 
in the Mennonite culture. In the Mennonite culture, there's a lot of men that never heard I love you from their parents. Never. Ever. You guys talked it's, about this on your first, did you? Yeah, it's you non-existent yeah. to Infection. a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Bronson. Bronson. And man, they crave it. If you oh. don't get it from your parents, I mean, man, that leaves a hole in there that... So you've never heard I love part. you? I, I did from my parents. Did you? I did too because my, my father was actually pretty affectionate. Uh, but I can guarantee you most of my friends, it's not they normal. may have heard it once or twice. I mean, once there was, or twice? And there was, I, like, me going and hugging my mom to the day, it's just still... Awkward? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, there is not, they don't teach affection. They don't teach affection. I wonder why. And, and I think it's, it's it, it, what, in the Midnight community and also just that old school community, like, even yeah. in my family. Yeah, you just talked about with your dad. Yeah, on Valentine's Day. You know what my, my goal was this last Valentine's Day was? Is to give my dad a hug and tell him I love him. That's Sounds right. simple, right? Sounds simple. But the last time we had exchanged I love you's was probably 10 years ago. Just a hug. And an and, and actual two men hugging and saying that we love each other. And this awesome. past Valentine's Day, it was an awkward conversation for me to bring it up, but I was like, it was. Yes, I see you, I see you a lot, and I just want to give you a big old hug, and I want to say I love you. That's that was awesome. awesome. And it was that in front is. of everyone, like we were all sitting by the fireplace, and Ron goes, Dad, I just really want to give, sometimes I see you, and I just really want to give you a hug, and your dad goes, well, give me a hug then. So he stood up, <laughs> your dad <laughs> stood up. And then, like, in front of me and your mom and your sister, you guys, like, hugged. And then my family, in the Blues family, that is not normal. And I'm going to change that. He's changing it. It And I just, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I just have had this goal. Right. And so on Valentine's Day, it was Valentine's Day, correct? Yeah, it was. And I was like, we're going to talk about love today. That's all. And we had a big discussion after about it. it. And it wasn't his goal. And I know he loves me. Right. And I know the other, my uncles and grandpa and all them, they love me as well. Yeah. But it's not expressed. They don't express talk it. about it. It happens a lot in the Mennonite things too, where you know they love you, but they won't show it. They won't tell you. They uh, I've heard so many examples of guys that carry, carry around all this pain and burden. Just They've always just wanted you know, a sign from their parents or yeah. their dad especially. Yeah, daddy issues. Man. That they were appreciated or loved and they just... Man, some don't ever get it. They'll go to their Great. their dad. Their dad will be passed away, and they still carry this burden with them that they were never good enough, that there was something wrong with them, and that's why their dad could didn't love them. Yeah. Um, I, I hear so many examples of that. We're gonna and I, get, I hope we can change that from here on out. In our gotta family. change that. We're gonna change it. We love. love, love, love your family, love your neighbor. What his cup, your cup says. Oh, my coffee mug. It's all about love, baby. It's all about love. My cup, my coach. I have a coach, like a, like a personal, like a what's it called, like a life coach. Yeah, life coach. Yeah, uh, I think that is almost overrated nowadays. Everybody's a coach or a mentor, whatever you want to call it, but somebody that keeps me in line. Right? Yeah. Like, man, he always says, "Love always wins, motherfucker." I guess. Yeah, it's just I like love that. always wins. Love, right? But it's just. <laughs> 
That needs to go on a mug. Right? Love always wins, motherfucker. It's going on the single mug. All right. We got to wrap up this one because we're hitting an hour and then we're going to go into We're going to start round part two. So that was a good place to end. Love always wins. That's going to be the first 